Um, oh gosh, my mind is so crazy. Uh, b- by the way, on your your uh, chairs, there should be a little card with men- memory verses for this series uh, for the next five weeks, and there should be a little uh, yes, that's it, and then a little book. That book is for you to take home. Feel free to take an extra one home if there's an extra one around you and give it to somebody else if you'd like to. Um, but these are our memory verses for, for this, this uh, series. And we, if you weren't with us up until now, last series we started this uh, sort of precedent where we're going to be memorizing certain verses for every sermon series. So three, I, I was nicer this time. I gave you three short verses instead of long verses. So Exodus 28, Mark 2, 27, and Psalm 100, verse 4. And those, are, those, are, they, those have to do with what we're studying and what we're thinking about during the next few weeks. So um, go ahead and take that little card home, stick it in your wallet, put it on your fridge, or where, wherever it helps you to memorize, and we're going we're gonna to do that together over the coming weeks. Um, let me uh, pray for us before we get started, pray especially for myself right now. Father, we thank you that you are here and you're present. We want to have fun together, but we want to uh, sort of pull down and pull together and, and uh, be serious where we need to be serious. We want to really feel that you are, not just feel it, but know it, that you are here and present. I, I think about the Holy of Holies walking past the curtain and in there, not in an arrogant fashion, but in a fashion to come and kneel before you and worship together as a, as a body. I pray that you would give us that experience this morning. Let us see it uh, in everybody around us, in our own hearts here, and in your word. Come and bless this time with your presence because it's only in that that we can really move forward. So we make this sacrifice this morning. We choose to be here. We choose to worship you. We choose to listen to you. And we want to do this well. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, Growing up, I don't know what life was like for you growing up. Um, Sundays may have been boring for you. I have no idea, right? They may have been boring. They may have been stressful. They may have just been another day of the week, right? But we're going to be talking about Sundays over the next few weeks. They may have been uh, a disappointment to you because they were supposed to be family day, but nobody actually ever did anything as a family on that day, right? Um, maybe it was a, a day just to do yard work, to get your chores done, all that kind of stuff, to do extra things, right? Maybe uh, Sundays for you were awkward. Maybe they were spent uh, with that family member that you didn't live with throughout the week and then you had to go live with on Sundays or, you know, over the weekends and it was just kind of awkward, you know, it was a, it was a, it took you out of your norm. I don't know. Some of us, though, and fewer and fewer far between, right? But some of us did go to church on Sundays, right? And if you remember, uh, not, you know, your whole family would kind of start getting ready and not, not everybody would be ready to leave on time. That's usually my son, Tanner. Um, but everyone scrambled and they, they, they fought over breakfast or whatever and they, they, um, you know, kind of like fought all the way, argued all the way to, to the church in the car. You know, the siblings fought together and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, but they turned into little saints as you crossed the threshold of the sanctuary and you shook the pastor's hand or whatever. And, you know, you kind of put on your good church face and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I do believe, and I, I really do believe this. I believe Sundays were supposed to be the best day of the week for us. The best day of the week. Right? And, and God made Sundays for you. I do believe that. Now, you know, we're going to be talking about Sabbath and all that kind of stuff, that day of rest. And I, I don't necessarily think, and I'm not saying that it has to be on a Sunday, right? You can, you can certainly, you know, maybe your schedule doesn't make for it to be on a Sunday. But I do think there's something, if we can pull together and, and rally around Sundays, there's something big about that. There's something uh, profound about that. As Jesus said, remember, and this is one of our memory verses, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Think about that. 
right? And the Sabbath being that day of rest. You know, our pace of life right now is absolutely debilitating. Uh, it, and I, I think it's even worse for kids growing up now. Like I, I see what kids do. Oh my gosh. It's like there's non, it's nonstop, right? And I think Sunday can be a solution to that. Um, we have way too much to do <laughs> in this world. And Sunday is the antidote to that. Um, we feel life's pressure all week. And I think God made Sunday as a relief to that pressure, right? Um, We rarely have time for the things that are really important, right? And God says that Sundays can take care of that. There's never enough time for family and for uh, people that we love. And there's not, never, never enough time for, for the rest that we need. And God designed Sundays for that. It's easy, it's easy for us to lose sight of what really matters, right? And God created Sundays for that cure. I, you know, the more and more, the more I think about it, I, I, I've spent a long, long time now uh, talking about spiritual formation and reading books on that and talking about Sabbath. And, and I am drilling down in my own life, recognizing how hard that is for me. I just want to preface before I go farther in this. It is difficult for me to take a day of rest. I don't like it sometimes, right? I have to literally choose to do it because it doesn't feel right in our culture, right, Dick? Dick and I talked about this uh, recently, and it, it just doesn't feel right. There's so much to do. There's so much pressure all the time to produce, 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 and to be busy. And I, I do think that, that is, it is a real problem for us. And we don't, you, you know, you can't really do things that you don't really see. It's hard to say, it's like going to the promised land. Well, there's good stuff on the other side of the mountain. Well, it doesn't look good on this side. How can I believe that? Sometimes you have to believe the Lord and just believe him and do it. All right? So that's, that's, what we're, that's, that's where I'm driving at my own heart. I'm really trying to, to take these things seriously. So let's look at Psalm 122. And I want you to notice that I'm not putting that up on the screen. And I'm, I'm doing that for a very uh, good reason. I want us to start to use our Bibles. All right, we've got all these Bibles in this church. By the way, if you don't have a Bible at home, take one home. Use the five-finger discount, grab it, and take it with you. You don't have to pay for it. It's yours for free. And secondly, take as many as you want home and give them to your friends. We have hundreds of these Bibles, and I would really love for the Word of God just to get out there and get in people's hands. But anyway, I want us to start using our Bibles and reading directly from them. If you, if you don't normally do that, Psalms is right in the middle. It's right, if Psalm 118 is the exact middle chapter of the Bible. So if you just pop that thing open in the middle, you're, you're going to be able to find Psalm 122 pretty easily. Um, and in this Psalm, somebody invited King David to go to the house of the Lord to worship with him, right? And, and our worship service today, this thing that you're in sitting in right now is the equivalent of that, the house of the Lord or, or the temple and gathering together as the people of God. This is what we call church, right? They're just using a different language for it. So David's response is recorded here in Psalm 122. And I want you to listen and follow along as I read. And we're just going to start with verse 1 right now. And he says, I rejoiced with those who said to me, Let's, let us go to the house of the Lord, right? So the house of the Lord for our purposes is let us go to church. So if I use that language from now on about David, you know that, you know, I know that it was a temple. I'm not a dork, right? But anyway, but when, when, when it says that, when it says, I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord, let us go to church, right? Does David sound at all bored about coming to church? No, he doesn't, does he? He really doesn't. He's very, I think David, I love David. This is the guy that danced naked before the altar. Now he wasn't actually naked. He had like a loincloth on, but he danced naked before the altar right down in the front as it went through the city, right? This is a crazy guy. This is a guy who worships. This guy who loves the Lord, right? And so David comes up and he's, why is he fired up about the one thing that seems to bore so many people in this world? I am convinced right now that, um, People don't understand what happens in here. 
right? I remember when I was growing up and I would go to churches, and this is before I knew the Lord, and even after I, after I gave myself to, to Christ, I, I would go to church, and my, when I heard the pastor speak, my heart would just almost leap out of my chest. My heart would burn within me. Like, you remember those two guys on the road when they met, met Christ, and they didn't realize who he was? They said, did not our hearts burn within our chests? Right? That's the way I felt. There's something profound and powerful that happens in these rooms. Now, it's not, you know, the worship service is not the only place that that happens, but there's something about us gathering together as the people of God. You know, Christ is with us all the time. You know, when you come to Christ, you, you receive the Holy Spirit. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. But it also seems to speak in the scriptures. Uh, sorry, Dave, I'm going like way off. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta tell the slide person they're like not crazy. They're not missing something. But, but there's something about when two or more are gathered, God is there in a very profound way, a different way. I don't get that, but it's true, right? So these things are important. But he can't wait to get there. David can't wait to get there. What does he know that, you know, some of us don't sometimes, right? Let's walk through this psalm to see. Verse 2, he says, Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, uh, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. There stand the thrones for for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Verses 2 through 5, right? So he's describing the situation in Jerusalem. There's, there's, it's densely packed with people. There's crowds gathering. He's describing what they're doing. Whole tribes of people are going up to worship God, right? God, giving God glory according to the statute given to Israel, right? In other words, because God told them to go and to gather and to come into the house of the Lord, they are being obedient to that. They're being obedient to that simple calling. They're showing up. God's invited them, and they're responding. I believe it's the same for us today. God invites you here to worship, to meet with him, when, when we come into this room expectant, there's something happens, right? I'm not saying this to make you feel guilty. Listen, listen clearly. I'm going to smile when I say this. I'm not saying this to make you feel guilty. But if you wake up and you just don't want to come one Sunday, you should come. Here's the principle with things like this. You need to be here. I need to be here. Come early, leave late. Come early, leave late, right? And when you're here, engage. I'm going to be repeating myself because I'm really going off script this morning. But, um, but God invited you here, and our response is important to that invitation. It's not just that we're putting, we're not just a, like a, a group of people, like a, an organization. This, there's something profoundly, deeply spiritual going on here among us. And it takes your, your, your physical presence and your mental presence, your spiritual presence, to, ma- to really respond to that. And so, so I say that not to make anybody feel guilty, but to encourage you that you are going to find more blessing the more you engage. All right? So let's, let's just get that. I don't just show up here because I'm the pastor, by the way. I, if, if I was not pastoring this church, I would be at church every Sunday because it's that important to me. Um, By the end of verse 5, David's through describing what he's seeing, right? In verse 6, he turns to to his own personal thoughts, what he's thinking. He says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. I don't feel like we have a lot of security right now. We're not a a, a culture that is uh, necessarily physically in danger all the time, right? Some People might might feel that, but I don't think we normally feel like we're physically in danger. But I do think that philosophically, emotionally, spiritually, some of us don't feel too secure in our in our culture right now. Wherever you stand on any issue, uh, security is not a word that we actually feel right now. But he says, may those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. Peace in here. 
This should be the one place where we can, man, we can relax, right? For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. Be within the house of the Lord. Be within these walls. Be within this community of, of, of faith, right? For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. So David cares for the people with whom he worships together, right? And, and, and that desire even extends to God's prosperity, to God's uh, God moving out into the world, right? David loves this place. He loves these people. And he loves this person of God. He really does. And he wants the best for all three. That's a good leader, right? I want what's best for you. I was at the Gallagher's last night and, and uh, Heather gave me, a, gave me and you a great co- compliment. That when they first came here, they really experienced a real sweet spirit about this church. She said a lot of things, but, but I'll, I'll, I'll sum it up in a sweet spirit about this church. That is a great compliment. And I, I said to, like, there were some people there I didn't know. I said, they are good people. You guys are good people. I'm not blowing sunshine. You really are a good church. And we, we are going even, I don't even know where I am now. But <laughs> we're gonna, we can go even and be even greater and better. God bless that, right? Amen. Let me have an amen. Amen, yeah? All right. (laughs) Um, So he wants the best. He wants the best for God. He wants the best for for God's people and and, and everything. So in in this psalm, David gives us six great reasons uh, to go to church, right? To to show up, to, to make corporate worship a very high priority. He's, so let's look at what, uh, why David liked going to church. Firstly, he liked being with God's people. Very simple, right? God's people were his people. His tribe in all of its diversity. I'm not saying that they were all the same. I'm saying that they were his people. They unified under this one umbrella of faith. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be with your tribe, right? There's nothing wrong with, with being where you belong, you know, where you feel safe, where you feel secure, where you get rejuvenated. You need to be rejuvenated. We, we can't do this life without it, without being rejuvenated, without encouragement. My son uh, just had a film opening in Lancaster City, and we went and watched his his film. And there was a, the whole thing was about this guy who was just like the pressures of life, and he's like going through town, and he's doing all this crazy stuff. And he finally, at the end, he, and the whole time it breaks to him sitting in a room talking to somebody you don't know who he's talking to. Finally, it gets to this. It swings the camera, swings to this girl, and she shares that she's been. She's been working in a, in a restaurant, but they stuck her back in the back unpacking boxes of fish. And she like, you know, gripes and grumbles and everything. And then she just says, I, I won't say the word, but she said, I hate effing fish, you know? And then she starts laughing. And then he starts laughing. He's like, the mo- whole movie was all heavy and mostly like, oh, weighty and all. You think this guy's going to kill himself. And then they just start laughing. They just, they share their burdens and they encourage each other, Right? There's something profound about what happens in these relationships, in these rooms. And as I said last week, I think the church is one of the only places in the world where we do this really well. We, we strive to do this. We strive to make things better for each other, right? Um, so you need to be rejuvenated. God calls us to enjoy this community, to enjoy this faith community made up all the various, you know, different kinds of people, right? All the, these different types of people. It's where we find acceptance. It's where we find love. It's where we find care. It's where we find encouragement. And it's where we find simple fellowship. Sitting around the fire last night at the Gallagher's. Really sweet fellowship. Going over to the Grand Homes last night, and they have this fall party every year. Just sitting around with people, you know, I may not have seen for a long time, and some of you that I see all the time. It's just really sweet fellowship. I like that. I like that. God's glorified in a warm, faith-filled community. He is really glorified, and he calls us not to, 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 to keep that to himself, but to extend that to others, to enjoy it, uh, you know, at, at its fullest, but not to become insular, right? Take it all out to the nations. We've studied that passage, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the great commission, his last command, our first concern. We're never to keep this all to ourselves. We're to extend it. 
We're to evangelize. We're going to take the word to people, to extend this community of faith to people, to extend Jesus to people. The community of God is always invitational, always uh, open, always open-armed. Like our community groups, always open to receive new people. They never close their doors because that is the gospel, right? Secondly, David wanted to honor God. He basically says, I want to go to church to worship God. I, I just want to go and worship, right? You know, we do well when we come to this room with a desire and an expectation such as that. Not every Sunday morning do I show up here wanting to worship, but I choose to do it. There are many Sunday mornings when I'm in a bad mood or I'm tired, or I'm not feeling well. Last week, I wasn't feeling well. You know this. I, I woke up thinking, oh, man, I'm going to end up in the hospital today. My gut hurt so bad. And I, I showed up here, and I just started praying that the Lord would just turn my heart back to worship. And he did, right? We, when we come with an expectation, remember, uh, and we, we have to remember, we can't let our lives be governed by our feelings, Our feelings have to be subject to something greater, right? So feelings aren't facts. How I feel isn't necessarily right and good for me, right? So I I have to choose sometimes to go past my feelings and show up and do what I need to do to to go farther. And and when we choose to worship, when we choose to show up and worship, we we can actually worship, right? And it makes all the difference. So when David went to church, he went with an enthusiasm and an expectancy. He, he came knowing, I am going to meet with God with my people, right? Thirdly, David wanted to do what God asked of him, right? Which is a very simple point. It's, it's the point of obedience, right? Obedience is a bad word these days, but it's, it's a very healthy word uh, for us Christians to get our mind around, you know, I want to go to church because the statutes given to Israel said to, that's what, that's what God's called us to. And when we can choose to be obedient to what God says, it makes all the difference in life. It really does. So oftentimes we wake up, like I've said earlier, we wake up, we don't want to do what God's called us to do. We don't want to show up, right? But inevitably, when we make the effort, we bring our feelings and our faulty desires in line with obedience, we become blessed. How many, time, how many times have people said to themselves, like on a Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, oh, I don't feel like driving over to community group, right? Oh, I don't feel like driving over to community group. It's a little hard for me because I host it at my house. So you guys, you guys show up at my doorstep, I have to open the door, right? But we're not always in the mood to be in the room, Right? Sometimes we wake up. We don't want to come to church. But all, it's every Tuesday night, every, some Tuesday nights, I'm really, I can't wait for it to happen. I can't wait for people to show up. Some Tuesday nights, I'm just tired. has nothing to do with the people, by the way. You guys are really sweet people. But sometimes I'm just tired. And, but when, when, when uh, 8 o'clock, 8.30 rolls around and we're done with community group, I am walking two inches off the ground. There's something that happens to me in that time that changes my demeanor, that does something for me. It's wonderful. Um, fourthly, we wanted, we wanted uh, peace for those who love God. We really do. David simply said uh, he wants good things for God's people. Peace and security, peace and security, peace and security, right? We can, we can all relate to that. All of us, everybody wants peace for, for those they love, which is our fifth point in verse eight as well. He says he wanted peace for God's people where, uh, who were his family and friends, right? We do. We want peace for everybody. And peace is found in Christ. Peace. And finally, number six, he made a decision to commit himself to the prosperity of the house of God. Now, that's not just about money, but that's about blessing it with all the good things that he can give to it, Right? He made a decision to commit himself to the prosperity of the house of God. So David wanted, he desired, his, his outlook was that the influence of God's kingdom was to expand, it was to flourish, and it was to proliferate. You know, we often say here that we don't want to be limited in anything to do ministry. 
from our church, right? And that includes money, that includes resources, that includes skills, that includes all kinds of things, right? It includes the coffee back there, includes this wonderful croissant that I'm eating, right? It's just, we want the, all the good things so that we can push out Jesus to our community and to our world and enjoy him ourselves, right? Um, so he wanted, David wanted God's church to have an abundance of, for, for ministry and for God's glory in this world. And that is not a bad list, right? That is not a bad list at all. I really do believe that. I also, obviously, <laughs> I also want church to be full. I want it to be prosperous. I have no qualms about saying that I want numbers to grow. I'm not about numbers in the sense of, you know, I've got some, you know, great, like, ego thing to fulfill, but I do want the kingdom of God to go farther and farther out to more people, touching more people. So I don't just want 6-8 to grow. I want every stinking biblical-minded church in this region to grow. I met, I met just recently with all the Delaware County churches, and we talked about the unity of the, of the church in, in this region and how we're going to reach this, this area for Christ. I want them to grow. Right? I don't just want, I don't, I don't have an ego to fulfill. I don't, I really, honestly, I do not care about Jason's name in the world. All I want is to, for Jesus to be lifted up over this community and in your lives as well. That's what I want. I think David wanted that. Right? It's not a bad list. It really is. It's not a bad thing to think about, you know, all those things. I want Sunday to become the best day of the week for us, in a sense, because it influences all the other days of the week. And it changes the world. It does change the world. Incrementally, little little by little, it changes the world. Dave Christie, if you were here a couple weeks ago, shared um, about, uh, you know, once upon a time, He's a little older than some of us in the room, right? Once upon a time, everything stopped on Sundays. I'm old enough. Dave's old enough to remember those days. Everything stopped. You, you know, you couldn't go to the bank. You couldn't go to the store, blah, blah, blah. Everything was closed. It was wonderful. A little bit of a pain sometimes when you wanted to go get a hoagie. But, you know, it, it was wonderful. It, it was a forced rest. It was nice. People went to church, they, they worshiped, they ate, they hung out, they rested, and they played. Now, I understand that it's not very PC of me to, to look backwards in history and say something was good back then. Because if you hear the message today, everything sucked then, and we're getting better. Truth of the matter is, there were some good things that we've left behind. We've thrown the baby out with the bathwater when we've, when we've desired change in some ways. There were some good things back then, really were, right? So um, people hung out, they rested, they played together. It wasn't a bonus day to get more done. It wasn't an added day to put your kids in more activities to exhaust them even more. Sunday was, at some point, a day of rest and worship. There was something profound about that. And I do believe that people had a greater sense of peace and hope at that time. I really do. I'm not saying the world was perfect then. I'm not saying that. But the pace of life wasn't as frantic because people slowed their pace down one day a week. Just one day a week. And they rested and they refueled and they refocused their lives on what really mattered. We've been slow boiling in a pot for a long time. We really have. Adding one ounce to your waistline every day or every week doesn't seem like much. You don't notice it. But then like me, you get all your winter clothes out and you go to button your pants, your 31 whatever waist pants, and you're like, oh, deuce. And you find the only pair of jeans that are 33s and you're like, oh, I got to lose weight again. It just comes on you. Little, these, these little decisions, right? So adding more and more to our schedules, one little bit at a time, we don't see it. It doesn't seem like much, right? 
It doesn't, it doesn't seem like much, but over time, it's like walking on hot sand and suddenly you can't slow, you can't go slow anymore. You're dancing across the sand all the time. You can't stand still because everything burns you up. We're all addicts. We are addicts. And the world is driving us towards that. And there is a satanic message in there that you need to be aware of. Our drug is our busyness. And that feeds into the four glasses of wine you have at night. There's a reason you do these things, right? And there's choices that we can make to get beyond them, right? So imagine a graph in your mind and the the vertical line represents like prosperity in the sense of all things that are blessing and beneficial to people and to life and all that kind of stuff. And the horizontal line represents the years on a calendar. And if you plot the percentage of church attendance year by year in American society, right, which has been going down for the last few decades, it's not necessarily bad tell you honestly there's some good things about that now you plot the percentage of social happiness and prosperity over that same length of time and you'll find it's the two lines pretty much run parallel that they're directly related to one another right the higher the church attendance, the more engaged a person is in the life of faith, in their community of faith, the higher the happiness quotient in a person. Why is that? Why is that? It's because there's something, like I've said, there's something that you cannot see, you cannot touch, you cannot taste, you cannot smell about church attendance, church engagement, which makes it the most powerful investment of your life, of your week. Something about being in church in fellowship around Jesus, and we make that clear, it's around Jesus, makes us better. Makes us better and, 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 and qualifies us for special blessings in a sense and provisions from God. There's something that God moves in when, we, when we're obedient, right? At one time, Sunday was the best day of the week for almost everybody, and I believe that life was better for almost everybody out there as well, and I'm sure we all want that peace. So what's the, the importance of Sabbath? What's the importance of this day of rest? Well, way back at the beginning, you know, we have in Genesis, early Genesis, the Bible says that God created the heavens and the earth and, and, and you know, he made the sun and the moon, and the stars and the sky and all that kind of stuff, the land, the plants and the animals. And then in Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, it says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work and then God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, let me stop there and let me say to you old heads all you christians that have been out around here for years and you've you've studied this stuff you've thought about the sabbath shut your mind off right now and listen to me stop thinking that you know god has something to teach all of us whether no matter how versed we are in the scriptures i am 52 years old. I've been walking with Jesus for 31 years. I've been pastoring for a long time now. And I still get confronted by this. So let's, let's realize that. So we see there that God rested. God, do, you know, why? Was he tired? Did he have a body? Did, he need, did his body get tired? No. God didn't need to rest necessarily, but I do think, let me stop there and say that I do believe that God enjoys these rhythms of work and rest, work and rest, work and rest. I think God has no problem like I do sitting back and saying, that was good. Look at that, right? He has no problem with doing that. He doesn't like when he stops, his mind doesn't race to all the craziness and all that kind of stuff. We've got to train our hearts past all that right and and he knew we needed rest every seventh day in a sense and he modeled the importance of that to us and then he set a precedence right when god gave the 10 commandments to moses his fourth commandment in exodus 28 through 11 which uh, david pointed out to us says remember the sabbath day by keeping it holy 
Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall, you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy." Made it holy. Let me give you quickly seven reasons why we should invest in weekly Sabbath. First of all, we need it. We need it. Whether you think you need it or not, you need it, right? And God knows we need it. That's why he rested. That's why he gave that commandment, right? God doesn't want to kill our fun or to, you know, lessen life by taking away that one day we were going to get everything done. He wants to increase our joy. He wants to increase and improve our life by giving us this day to refresh and refuel and refocus with him because he knows that we need it. We are actually more productive when we do that. Secondly, God asks us to do this, right? unpopular to say that God asks you to do it, so you just do it, right? But that's, that is a, a principle in the scriptures. The fourth commandment says to keep the Sabbath holy, right? And we're going to discuss what that word holy means uh, next week, but it's, in, it's an important word. But, but suffice it to say that when God commands me something, we don't question it. We don't ad nauseum ask question after question just to get out of doing it. We simply respond, yes. I may not understand, but I'm going to do it, right? And we do it, right? Thirdly, God blessed the Sabbath for reasons only he understands, really only understands. God says he blessed this day, the Sabbath day, and he's made it special, a special day, not an extra day, not a bonus day, you know, but when, when we, and when we cooperate with God in, in what he blesses, we receive blessing. I can't describe it to you, but it does work. Fourthly, my life goes better when I take a Sabbath. It really does. So many of us think we're going to get ahead if we can like work and be productive seven days a week. We frantically do all this stuff all the time. But that's not how God made the universe. It's really not. Apparently, uh, the most prosperous fast food restaurant in the world is Chick-fil-A. And they are closed on Sundays because the owners of Chick-fil-A's are Christians and they say that God's going to honor, they want to honor the Sabbath and that God honors, they know that God's going to honor their business. So Chick-fil-A makes more money in six days than does McDonald's and Subway and Burger King and Taco Bell it all do in seven days. There's something profound in that. I have a friend who owns two Chick-fil-A's. My boy is rolling in the cheddar. He is. I'm not saying that that's like our goal is to get wealthy, but he, he, he's a rag to riches kind of story. He came from uh, Vietnam. Uh, they ran from war there, and you know, so their family gave up everything, came here, and he opened up two Chick-fil-A's in his young adulthood, and he's doing just great, and he gives away so much money, and he rests every Sunday. He's a great guy. He, he's a, such a blessing. But, but here are some interesting t- statistics that I gave to you a couple weeks ago, but I want to give them again. Sociologists have studied the benefits of church attendance, uh, finding those who attend church regularly, number one, li- live seven and a half years longer than those who don't, that, that they are 56% more likely to have an optimistic outlook on life, that they are 20% less likely to be depressed, that they are 35% like- less likely to get divorced, that they have higher than average levels of commitment to their partners. Uh, they, they have higher levels of marital satisfaction. They think less and talk less about getting divorced in their marriage, and they have lower levels of negative interactions with people. And number six, they have higher grades. They have better time management. And you remember when I said it, they have better sex lives. And who doesn't want that, right? Everybody wants that. Right. I, I, okay. <laughs> All right, you boring people. No, but I, we, like all those things are beautiful. They are good things. And I, I am convinced that everybody's trying to rewrite what we are. I don't believe, you know, I, I've told you this before, but I do not believe that the Christian uh, marriage statistics of divorce are the same as the world's. I don't believe it. 
Because I know a lot of healthy Christians and they're not getting divorced. Now, if you got divorced, I'm not trying to bring judgment on you. I'm not saying that. Sometimes we get divorced. I get that. I'm not judging anybody in this room that's been through, through a divorce. But I'm, what I'm trying to say is it is a lie that, that people say that, that the Christian levels of divorce are the same. They're not. They are not. I, now, maybe across the board, anybody out there that calls themselves a Christian, because if you poll America, a lot of people say they're Christians. They've never gone to a church. They never walked with Jesus, never had a quiet time. They don't know what it means to be a Christian, blah, blah, blah. That's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about literally people that are walking with Jesus, that are filled with the Holy Spirit. These people are committed, growing, healthy people. There's a difference, right? Life goes better for those who regularly sort of devote themselves to Jesus, walk with Jesus in the context of the church, of community. There's something holistically, profoundly, and inexplicably better to life when we are 100% obedient and walking with Jesus as a community together. There's something profound about it. The fifth reason I want to take a Sabbath every Sunday is because Mondays go better when we Sabbath, right? They really do. You may dread Mondays. You might wake up and say, oh, my gosh, I don't want to go to work. You know, in a whole other week, I got to be the, right? It's because we're exhausted. We're already exhausted. We, we've not rejuvenated ourselves. We've not taken a rest. We've not really uh, let our hearts and our minds settle. We've just been doing, doing, doing all like just crazy. So today is this beginning of this little five-week series, and we're learning two things from God's perspectives, how to have a great week, how to have a great life. That's it. That's it. Next week, we're going to see how good, uh, like why good Sundays make better Mondays. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. And um, what we're going to learn is that if your Sunday is lived as it was intended to be, your Monday will go as it was intended to be, Right? The sixth reason I want to be a, have a weekly Sabbath is because our families do better when we Sabbath. Families who rest together do best together. Simple as that. It's overarching. It is, it is comprehensive, right? A family who attends church on a regular basis, who, who engages in Christian life with others in church, uh, learn biblical skills. They learn life skills on how to do relationships better, how to do life better, what is healthy, what is not healthy, all that kind of stuff. You know, everything that we learn that is good for us has been, has been written out in the scriptures already. The more we invest in our own spiritual formation, the more we become like Jesus healthy, mature beings reflecting God, the more our kids get this stuff, the more our kids reflect Jesus, and they lead up sometimes. I won't embarrass my son, but I heard some great things about my son this, this two weeks ago that I was just, maybe I am embarrassing him. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the Young Life leaders said that, I'll embarrass him. They said, you know, Tanner just comes, he brings more people to Young Life than any, any of the other kids. He's just really devoted to, 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 to bringing people into that, into that ministry. I was really impressed by that. That's leading up. Not going to cry. He says, I'm a crybaby. He doesn't want me to cry. Um, but great families become great by practicing great things together. They really do. I have never been one to think that family's the goal. Family's not the goal. You know, back in the 80s and 90s in church, it was all family, oh, building great family. No, Jesus is the goal. Glorifying God, mission is the goal, not a great family. But a benefit to Christian life, if you have a family, is that your family becomes great. It really is. And I think God's glorified by that. Right? I want, I want to disciple my kids as much as I want to disciple you guys. I want my kids to grow in Jesus as much as I want you guys to grow in Jesus, right? But in developing the habit of, of doing church together, your children build this repository of enriched sort of memories which last a lifetime, right? It's so cool to see these kids pop up here after church. I'm running around here. I know some of you get mad because they're all running around. But God bless them, right? They are going to grow up with an image of church that is wonderful, really wonderful, because you guys are all really good to them. 
and you love them well. Um, you teachers that teach down there, God bless you. That, that is not just filling an hour or two. That is something profound you are building into our children. And our children are little people that are soaking up Jesus just like you are. I am really wordy this morning. I apologize. But um, my family's much better because of this church. Really, They really are. The seventh reason for, my sa- for, for Sabbath is my eternity will go better if I Sabbath. I, I bless God. I, I, I am a blessing to God when I show up and I worship and I fellowship with others. And in turn, he blesses me in that whole thing. He, he sets out my life before me. <coughs> Someone may hate Sundays, but I guarantee you if Jesus came into this room and sat down next to you, he would probably whisper in your ear that he is so blessed to see us all worshiping together. That he, he loves it. I, I think God, I think this is not just ethereal like philosophy that's not real. I think God is real. Jesus is real. And he really is wonderfully uh, blessed by you being here worshiping together this morning. Imagine that, right? You create the world. You, you give all these. I mean, I hiked the John Muir Trail. Oh, my gosh. Heaven on earth. Beautiful. We have a beautiful world all around us. God has created all this stuff for us. I walk out. I go to my lake house. Man, I just sit in that lake and I watch the eagles fly over the lake. This is a beautiful world. So absolutely, if you don't get out there, get out there. It is a beautiful, beautiful world. God creates all this stuff for us. He sustains us all week. He gives us what he wants. I mean, I think he healed my gut last Sunday when I, so that I could just preach a sermon, right? I heard another story about a young kid who got his appendix uh, miraculously healed. I think God does a lot for us that we don't even see throughout the week, right? He does all this stuff. And when we turn around and we can spend one morning a week just one morning a week, recognizing him for that and thanking him for that, wouldn't that be a blessing, right? Isn't that such a blessing? You are blessing God by sitting here right now. God loves to see his people gather and to worship like this. And he invites you to fall in love with these moments, right? Psalm 100 verse 4 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Come through that door expectant. Just wonderfully, want, just, you can't wait to see what God's going to do, right? So what can you do this week to look forward to church every week, right? What, what, what is, and, and by the way, not just Sundays is the thing. You know that, right? But there's some, I'm, we're speaking about this, this worship service. We're going to explore all this stuff. We're going to explore all this stuff over the few weeks. So read your little book, right? Uh, if you're not in a community group, get in a community group this week, and I guarantee you will be blessed. You will be blessed. You won't feel it all the time, but you will be blessed over your lifetime. Let me give you uh, three steps to make your Sunday the best day of your week. Decide right now to let Sunday be the best day of your week. Look forward to it, right? Think about it. At the end of Psalm 122, David decided to commit to the prosperity of his community. He decided that. For life to improve, we have to decide that, right? We have to make decisions and, and we have to make effort or put effort towards letting it improve, right? So you make the decision and God will make the difference. He really does. Decide to start coming to church regularly. Decide to uh, make a commitment to it. Decide to get involved in it, right? So what does that look like this week? Start and read the first two short chapters of that little book, I Love Sundays. And then if you're not in a community group, get in a community group. Come out. Even if you've never, they are open. All of them are open. They're wide open. I, I want my living room to overflow. And I'm sure the other group leaders do as well, right? So uh, number two, invest in your Sundays. Get, to get something great out of church, you've got to put something into it, right? Matthew 6.21 says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, obviously we want our treasure to be in Christ, but this is where we experience him together. This is what, what happens, right? So start investing here in the community of faith. Be devoted to this weekly service. It's that important. It's a great initial investment. And the more consistent we are with it, the more power we have to reach out and bring others into it. 
Number three, take your next step. Years ago, um, a, a church sociologist named Wynne Arn did a study of satisfied church members, and, they, and he discovered that they have six things in common. Number one, they regularly attend church. Number two, they have a place where they serve somewhere in the church, so get involved, right? Number three, they develop at least six friendships with other members in that church, and they say that people don't, like we're a very warm church, but they say they don't, they'll, they'll come for the first few times because you're warm, but they won't stay unless they make friendships. So make friendships. If you've been here for a while and you've seen people, new people sitting here alone, go invite them out. Go have dinner. Do something fun with somebody. For goodness sake, fun is such a spiritual activity. Just go have fun. Have a glass of wine and eat, eat a steak or whatever you eat. Not, not a steak, a veggie burger. Sorry, Christy. But um, uh, number four, they call the church my church. Pastors hear that. I, there was somebody this week that said, uh, they said my church or our church to me. And I like, it was the first time they said it to me. I'm like, mm, I recognize that. <laughs> you know, I, we, we're blessed. I love it. I love it when somebody feels that they've connected, that this is their place. This is their tribe. This is their people. So they call the church, my church. They give consistently to the church where your money is, there your heart is, right? You give consistently to church. We just spent a lot of money on that first floor. Money is tight right now, to be honest with you at six, eight, but man, I got, I know that God is going to answer that. I know that we are a giving church and we're going to build that back up because we're, we have things to do. And, and God is going to bless us in that. But uh, number six, they invite others to church. Do you, do you invite people to church? If you're scared to death to share the actual gospel with somebody, do the very least and invite them to church. I'll do it for you, right? Get them here and I'll do the work. I don't care. God bless you. Invite people to church. I want to be honest with you, and I know I say it a lot. You are the safest place to bring somebody to hear about Jesus. You, I mean, look at us. My gosh, we couldn't be more relaxed. I think like Vinnie and Mary do a wonderful job in worship and all the other worship leaders, whenever they're doing it, they do a great job at worship. We are a fun, nice church. We're not that, you know, we're not weird, right? We have good food. We have great coffee. We're a little weird. All right. But, but I'm a little weird, but you guys are pretty normal, right? So, invite people to church start thinking about that start a couple months ago i asked you to think about three people and pray for three people to invite to church continue to do that bring people in this it's it's not about us it is about the kingdom of god and 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 this is eternity we're talking about you know i could say that until i'm blue in the face but it's important right Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. And so if you're new, pick number one, start coming regularly. If you've already been doing that, pick one of the others and, and you're not and start doing that. Take your step, next step, whatever it is. And David wanted the best for people. God wants that for you. I really do believe that. So let's decide to make Sundays wonderful. I went over. Let me, uh, let me uh, pray for us. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your church. We thank you for what you're doing. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would bless us as we seek to bless you. We seek to turn that blessing back towards you. And we seek to turn that blessing of the gospel out to our community and to our world through Ananias House or Sammy Zondervan or the halls over Morocco or whatever. We pray, Father God, that we would see this as a a holistic communal effort, that we are loving the world through loving you, and we really want to be a healthy, good, growing church that can do that really, really well. We thank you, Father. Go ahead, Joe.